Welcome to the Proclaim podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Proclaim podcast. This is Eric Chow, director for Proclaim here. Uh, in this episode, we're going to pick up on the conversation that I had with Pete Barak. Uh, in the previous episode, we put out uh, the first part of that conversation, and I'm looking forward to uh, introducing the second part of this conversation with Pete. We're going to pick it up mid-conversation, and I hope that it blesses you uh, in your mission to proclaim Jesus. So you and I had a, a brief conversation in the car, and I want to take it to this sort of other, other direction around uh, living your life as a mission. And uh, I think sometimes we can, in our minds, maybe compartmentalize our ministry work from our personal lives, our, our activity at the church, from you know, our activity in the world. And, and yet, in, in a very short moment, we, we both kind of had this like, amen moment where we're, we're called to live our life as a mission, which means like in the service of the Lord, everything under our life is his. Mm-hmm. So let's let's go there. What does it mean for um, to you to live life as a mission? Yeah, and Pope Francis actually just commented on this uh, not that long ago, where he literally said, "Your life is a mission," right? Yeah. And I think um, it's a very human uh, response to something to kind of break it into pieces to better understand it. So a lot of times we'll we'll look at, okay, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? You know concept. And so we break it into these categories of, okay, prayer and community and, and mission. And then, and then what we, as we analyze that and learn about that, we almost subconsciously then create this category of activity that falls under those slots. So this is when I'm praying, this is when I'm part of a community, and this is when I'm out on mission or whatever, right? And then this is my job, and then this is my, these are my hobbies. And we, we create these categories in our life that I think give us a sense of control and also just a sense of understanding and wrapping our heads around the complexity that is life, right? At the same time, though, the, the, the downside of that is we often um, look at mission or missionary activity is either if you're employed by the, the parish or the diocese as, oh, this is the, the thing I'm hired to do, therefore I, I only have to do it within the confines of what I've been hired to do, and then good, I get to go live my life because it's my job. That's one way. Or the other way is like a lot of people more in the pews would probably think of it as, oh, yeah, I, I do mission on Wednesday night when I go serve at RCIA or when I, I go help with this alpha course or something. And so unfortunately, though, in, instead of seeing everything we're doing as a missionary activity, that like another way I like to put it is if um, if mission is something extra or something you have to add to your life, then you're probably not going to do it very regularly. Yeah especially for the people who are not employed to do this. So if you're talking to the everyday kind of Catholic in the pew, if they receive mission as something I have to fit into the context of my life, how do I, how do I add a missionary activity to the busyness of my schedule? Very few people will ever do it. But if you teach them, inform them, say like literally everywhere you go, every person you meet for the rest of your life and the rest of their life is being passionately pursued by Jesus Christ. You don't have to convince Jesus to go on mission. You don't have to enter into a coffee shop and hope you can drum up enough missionary activity that God will show up and bless it. Every person, everywhere you go, the, the power of heaven is, is being you know, utilized to help them come into faith. So our job as a disciple is not to create mission. It's to participate in our master's mission. And he is constantly on mission. 
And so everywhere we go, it, the question is not, how do I generate mission? It's, God, what are you already, Jesus, what are you already doing here? And do you want me to do it with you? Because sometimes he's, yes, he is, and then sometimes he's not, right? Sometimes he'll, he'll inspire you to say something or to, to invite that person to coffee or to sit over here or, you know, there's a share your story in that context. And then other times he might say, no, I'm, you know, don't worry about it. But the, the disposition of somebody who sees their life on mission is that everywhere I go is mission territory. Everywhere I, every person I meet is, is um, the Lord is pursuing, the Holy Spirit is preparing their hearts for a living word. And I might have a role to play in that, or I might not. Uh, Sister Ann Shields is somebody I've, I've worked with for many years, and she says, you know, it might take somebody 250 conversations to come to faith. You might be number one, you might be number 249, you might be number 17, or every once in a while you get to be number 250. Either way, we all play our role and we all uh, agree, come into agreement with the, what the Lord is doing, and then he can, he can move in those moments. So it's, it's, um, I think it's kind of a cop-out, actually, when people uh, limit their missionary activity to either the thing they're paid to do or the particular activities that they've said they want to volunteer for. And I think the Lord has so much more for us, and I, and I promise it's actually more fruitful. You'll be more fruitful in your job, and you'll be more fruitful in just actual missionary activity if you don't limit mission to a particular time frame or category within your life. Yeah. Yeah, you're giving new, at least for me, you're giving new meaning to um, how Pope Francis has spoken about missionary discipleship. Uh, I think it's in Evangelii Gaudium where he speaks about how every disciple is a missionary to the extent that they have encountered the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, I, what, what I'm hearing, or at least how I'm receiving it, is that missionary work, if you will, or I guess like the missionary identity is, is really a series of encounters with Jesus in your everyday life. And so those encounters aren't just meant for your own holiness, but for like for the purpose of sanctifying the world. So you're in the coffee shop or wherever you are on the on the sidelines of your kids' soccer uh, soccer game, and you're encountering the Lord uh, in you know in listening prayer, you know in the moment, but you're also encountering the Lord in conversations that you you have with others, and He's. He's, he's prodding you, he's, he's guiding you, he's telling you where to go and what to do and what to say and, and how to act and how to react and, uh, and how, to, how to respond, all in charity, wherever you are. But this missionary work starts very much so with everyday, moment-by-moment, regular encounters with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I, I think you could understand some of what he talks about at the, I think it's on the part of the um, Sermon on the Mount, where he talks about if you clothe the hungry and feed the naked, and you know, um, in that he says you're doing it for me, right? Well, you're doing it with me, or you know, encountering me in that. And there's a very practical component of that. We do need to physically feed people and clothe people and visit them and all that. But there's also like the hungry are also those who don't know the truth. And so one of the things, to your point just now, when we feed the hungry, when we proclaim truth in a situation where truth is lacking, we're encountering Jesus. We're, we're fulfilling his command to do that. When when we feed the hungry who are, uh, are you know, just there's the clothe the naked to help people understand their identity and help them understand uh, their dignity and help them understand what they've been made for. We are serving the Lord in that, you know, and there's a tangible encounter that we have with ourselves or we have with Jesus, but then also we create an atmosphere where hopefully they can encounter Jesus in us, that we can be Jesus to them. Um so you're 100% right, I think, uh, and that's a profound thing. I'd forgotten that line from Evangelii Gaudium, that to the extent that which we are, we've encountered the Lord. But that's really true, you can't, and it's the old adage, you can't give what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I've also found the more we give, the more we receive. So the mm-hmm. more we give him away, the more our capacity actually yeah. to encounter him afresh expands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard that line uh, used as a almost to you know you use that term the cop out. You can't give what you don't have, and so there are those that might just continually want to receive before sending out. Mm-hmm. But I also think you can't have what you don't give mm-hmm. in in that sense. Where like if you have met the Lord and you have heard His voice and you have been given the prompting to go out and to give in some way, then it's it's on you to do it. Yeah. And 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 that's that really is the uh, the way for you to receive more of God's grace in your own life. Mm-hmm. So s- sanctifying your own life and and letting God sanctify uh, your your own life really comes through your response to like to how he guides you in your life through others and through mission. So yeah. y- you can't commit to being holy without also committing to mission. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The analogy we've used before, which is a little crass, but it's like almost becoming spiritually bloated. You know, yeah. if you're just feeding, 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 uh, at some point, it's like it needs to clear out, and that's where the analogy kind of breaks down a little bit. But the point is, like, there is, there's no question. There's a principle of there. Need, we need to be more of a, a river, or actually, the analogy I like better is you know the pond analogy, where water flows in and stays there ends up stagnating and and dying. The river feels almost too much of a flow where it's like, well, where's it coming and where's it going? Um, the, The better one is the, the lake that we have a cottage on in Northern Michigan. It's a spring fed lake that connects to a, a, a river. So it's this big, beautiful, fresh. I mean, you can see 20 feet down clear as, you know, crystal clear. You can see the fish, you know, but it's the, where's the water coming from, from deep within the ground, this deep, wellspring that is feeding this life and the fish are abundant but the water doesn't stay in the lake it actually then flows into these rivers that flow from the lake to the surrounding area to make it lush and green and and surviving that's that's our heart right a deep spring of relationship with jesus that pumps new fresh water into us but that if it just stayed there it would stagnate and be problematic but no it it flows out into the surrounding area and produces life in other places and um yeah, that's what the Lord wants to do in our hearts. That's that's interesting that this conversation has gone here. So this morning I was in prayer. Uh, I was at daily mass, and um, the the image, the contrasting images that came to mind was uh, the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Yeah, right. And that's that really is like that you know that contrast that you're speaking to, where where the Dead Sea is called dead because of course there's no life that's that can like can live in it, and there is no life around in its surrounding area, mm-hmm. and it's mostly because it just continues to receive water but it doesn't push out anything and it's it's just so mineral and salt rich that it just kills everything that that tries to live there whereas with the sea of galilee when you look at like the to- like the topography of that area not only does it like you know it, it has fresh water coming in and it, it has like a water coming out but it produces fish and it produces life around it and it's teeming with life and cities are all around like that area and that's that's really the contrast i think for for those who who feel that uh, like a life of discipleship is just for themselves versus uh, a life of discipleship that's a full response to follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Mm-hmm. And and not only just the individual disciple, the analogy holds true for, but also community of disciples. Yes. That a community of disciples, if the, if the mission of your community is community, uh, you won't experience the community that you're longing for. Yes. But if the mission of your community is to a people who are not yet part of the community, and then you craft your life of a community around accomplishing that mission, the community you long for will thrive, the fish will 
will thrive in the Sea of Galilee, but the surrounding area will then also thrive as well. And so, uh, no, a, a community, so too often our Catholic communities really do feel more like the Dead Sea, where people somehow make their way in, but then there's not a lot of life around it. There's not a lot of impact yeah. outside that community. Yeah. Like you don't, you, you, yeah, you don't really see a lot of times parishes that seem to have elevated the, the life around them. Yeah, both in the people and the economy and the culture and everything, it just kind of feels like these these little dead seas that are kind of placed around our city, but aren't necessarily like the lifeblood of goodness yeah. in, in the surrounding area. Yeah. And that that is what a parish was originally designed to do. Yeah, yeah, a big part of, and I'm going to come back to what you said about uh, leadership. You know, being helping others get from point A to point B, and if if parishes were to take leadership. And in, in their role of, of the mission to go from point A to point B, the image for me of a parish would be uh, that they would be, um, and I think Pope Francis uses this term, to be a missionary outpost. Yeah. It's, it's a place where people can come to receive um, healing and restoration and rest and all the things that they're looking for, while at the same time, uh, for those disciples, for, for them to come in and receive what they need in order to go out. Right. So, uh, you know, this, I think, is what you might call like the missionary dynamic of a parish. You're, you're, you're feeding your people in order that they would go out. Right. And, and that's, that's the reason why you would feed them. Mm-hmm. So to think that, you know, in, to, in, in your terms, to say that a parish that lands in the, in the center of, a, of, of any particular area we should be able to see that it, it is it is positively affecting the area beyond their own campus and beyond their own block. Mm-hmm. That there's there's something good that's happening outside of our walls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, because even the the proper understanding of what a parish is includes outside the walls. Yes, right. It is not just the geographic footprint of the church building, yes. but it is the the usually much broader geographic footprint, and in more importantly, all the souls yeah. that inhabit yes. that area. Right. Yes, and so. Uh, one of the things like my wife and I would say to us everyone say to each other every once in a while is like when we have people in our living room for Bible study, we're doing a parish activity yep. because we're members of a parish and it's part of a geographic footprint of the parish. When we go out to dinner, that is parish ground. Yeah. I mean, I it's the, the, the church has conquered the world through the parish. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like every single square inch of the world is part of a parish. And uh, again, what if we actually lived that way? Like That's what if right. we actually saw the local Italian restaurant as this is part of the parish. I am on parish property right now. And therefore, um, anyone who does not believe what we believe, welcome. You're actually in our zone, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we're yeah. going to, we're going to treat you as such. And we're going to actually want to invite you into the life of the parish that yeah. just so happens to be right here today. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, that kind of mindset, actually, we see a lot in our Protestant brothers and sisters. They wouldn't think of it exactly in the same way in terms of the parish, but they, they see every place that they've been planted as just like the kingdom has come to this place. Yeah. And yeah. therefore, the kingdom values extend to everywhere we go. So whatever happens in the kingdom should happen here on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. And they, they walk around with great expectation for the kingdom to reveal itself to people. And um, Catholics should be the best at this, you know, because we have all both the rich teaching, we have the experience, we have the saints, we have the sacraments. Um, it's really more on the people of God to start to live in consistency with that belief. Yeah. Yeah, what a... What a great privilege and responsibility that is to to imagine and to see our parishes as the geographic space in the world that God and the church has entrusted to us for mission. Mm. Like, 
I'm not thinking now of the thousand families that are, you know, that are members or, or, or registered parishioners at my parish. Now I'm thinking of the 150, 200,000 people that inhabit this area. And I have the great privilege and the responsibility to bring forward who the, the bring forward the love of Jesus that I personally have experienced. That's that's. I mean, there's there's so much going on internally. That's like, <laughs> man, that's get alarming. Me out, yeah. Right? yeah, and at the same time, like, oh my gosh, like what awaits? But yeah. I think that paradox is so. It's so. Um, I mean, it's so God. Like he, you know, he puts that forward and he says, like, I'm I'm going to entrust something really really cool to, to you. Um, and it's going to be way harder and way bigger than than you can take on by yourself. But with me, all things are possible, mm-hmm. right? So, so dream. Yeah, and he knows yeah. that. That's why he gives us the Holy Spirit. You know, <clears throat> circling back on that, like yes. the the yeah. the opportunity and the um, the challenge of what you just described is impossible yeah. for us to do without the Holy Spirit. That he is the uh, Pope Paul VI called him the principal agent of evangelization. Yes. He's the protagonist. He's the one who actually converts hearts. So, which is also remarkably freeing and sometimes a little bit frustrating, right? Yeah. I think sometimes it would be a little easier if it was just a human ingenuity and strategy that could make it happen. We're like, all right, well, let's just buckle down and get it done, you know? Yeah. But, it, but it's also very freeing to know that, no, my job is not to convert anyone because I can't, but my job is to be faithful and to be filled with the Spirit and to cooperate with what the Spirit is doing in somebody's life and bless it and bring about whatever the Lord needs me to do in that moment. And uh, so it's very freeing to be able to just say like, okay, Lord, you're in charge, so lead us. Yep, yeah. I think I'm going to land it there, Pete. Uh, I ask one last question to the guests that come on to the Proclaim podcast, and it really is just you know a word of encouragement to our Proclaim listeners. Is there a word that you, uh, based on this conversation, or just something that's stirring within you, a word of encouragement that you'd like to give to our Proclaim movement? Yeah, thank you. I, I'm going to challenge everyone to go read Judges 6, read the story of Gideon, and look at it through the lens of what the Lord might be asking the Archdiocese of Vancouver to do. Amen. And the key thing I want you to think about is when Gideon confronts or is confronted by the angel of the Lord, listen to what the angel of the Lord says to Gideon because he calls him a mighty man of valor, even though he seems like a coward. And the, so my word of encouragement to you is to first, before you go on any mission, before you do anything dramatic for the kingdom, to remember who you are based on what God, who God says you are, not what the world says you are, not what you even say about yourself, but who does God say you are? Let that be the foundation of your identity before you go on mission. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pete, for joining us on our Proclaim podcast. Uh, it's been a blessing, and um, yeah, God bless you in, in your ministry, your mission, and your vocation as a, as a family man, as a husband. Yeah, thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thank you for having me.